Hey everyone, welcome to Ask Shane Anything, the live edition here on Sifted Games at Sifted.net. This live recording on Zoom is a reward for patrons who pledge at $7 or more per month. Of course, the archives are available for everyone. Uh, but if you would be interested in getting involved in the call, just bump up your pledge to $7 a month or more, and you'll be invited into this live recording. And this is Ask Shane Anything, which means people can ask me whatever they want, as long as it's not too crazy personal. And I will still answer some of those from time to time as well, just depending on what it's about. Uh, but this is a fun thing. It's a forum for all of us to talk about games or entertainment or whatever else we're all into. Um, and so with that, let's get on to some questions. <laughs> And since he was the first one in the call today, I'm going to call on Sorfear, a.k.a. Aaron, to ask the first question. What's up, man? How's your Saturday going? Hey, it's going great now. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. That's yeah, good to a, hear. this is I, a fun thing that you do. For I enjoy doing these. Um, I hope more people start showing up for these. I mean, we always have enough to get through like an hour of Q&A or whatever. Um, but I always... One of the feedbacks that we always get from people is like, you need to engage your patrons. You need to engage with your patrons more than you do. And it's hard because we're running like a separate website at the same time. And I, I kind of hope that people migrate over to the website because obviously the audience there and the interaction there is a lot more frequent and a lot more in depth. And, uh, and so I try to do this to engage the Patreon folks, but most of the time, it's just the people who are really active at sifted.net that show up for this ain't anything. So I'm trying, I'm doing the best that I can. Uh, but yeah, I have a lot of fun doing this and it's good to hear that you do too. What's your, uh, what's your question? Well, uh, last time uh, I asked you about super Mario maker and, yep. and then you said, that hey, is still coming. Gonna... By the that way. is still coming. Yeah. Yep. This is a friendly reminder. Okay. Uh, and so in that time I built uh, a level just for you. So I'm excited awesome. for you to try that oh, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have one really good one already that I think you'll like, but then I was like, well, let's build another one just in case, uh, you know, just for Shane. Yeah. Um, by the way, if you, any of you have missed the prior episodes of this, Aaron had brought up the idea of building levels in Super Mario Maker 2, and then I would do a stream of me playing your levels. That is coming, by the way. Um, so if you're interested in being a part of that, you can start building a level for me to play right now. I'm trying to get that in before the end of July. We're running out of time, but I think there might still be time to pull it off. So if you're working on a level for that already, you might want to start wrapping it up. And if not, you might want to get cranking. Don't be too evil. <laughs> I don't want to play levels where like I walk 10 feet and there's something impossible to do right away, unless your entire level is that impossible thing. So it won't, well, I guess it might be fun for you guys if I struggle through <laughs> these levels. Maybe that's what you guys are counting on, me not being able to get very far into them. Uh, so maybe that might be entertaining, but it won't be very entertaining for me. Uh, so anyway, just a, a word of caution before you start building or you finish off your levels. Yeah, I've made an effort to like, you know, it's there's a challenge, but hopefully it's, you know, Doable. hopefully it's not controller smashing, you know. Are you able to do it? Well, I have to be able to do it uh, oh, to true. upload it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You have but, to finish it once. How many times did you have to do it to get through it? Uh, not too many times. It was, it's not too bad. You have to do the checkpoints. You have to keep doing it. However, my partner's 18-year-old daughter uh couldn't really get past the first room so uh -oh. <laughs> i know <laughs> how old is the daughter she's 18 uh but uh she plays uh she's more into um 
Apex Legends and not so much side scrollers. So wow. you've had a very you've had a very positive influence on her, Aaron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm always telling them, hey, you heard about this new thing? You know, this uh, Grand Theft Auto is free on Epic right now, and it's like you better yeah. go get it, right? So yeah, they're, they're I, happy I to snag a lot of stuff on Epic Games. I never play anything on Epic Games. Um, yeah. I usually grab their freebies, and then I've I don't think I've ever no, that's not true. I've played a couple games that I got from Epic Game Store, but for the most part. I snag them and like don't do much with them, to be honest. Yeah, there's like, a, I think I at this with, point, with I've been avoiding GTA 5 out of spite. Like, I still <laughs> never played it, never bought it, because I refuse to be one of those people that uh, Matt goes, who the hell is still buying this? I'm like, <laughs> not me. I've never contributed to these, to these numbers. You didn't even play it the first time? You've never played it at all? No, because um, interestingly... Uh, it changed with actually God of War 2018, but Grand Theft Auto and God of War were those two like PlayStation 2 um, series of games that I'm like, I would be dead if I was found playing these games. <laughs> like, like it was it was just one of those things. And and so by the time I actually was able to uh, to like buy those and like and play those games, like I, I didn't really have the desire to play GTA, like because that was still during the time of three and San Andreas and other stuff like that. Uh-huh. And um, and uh, God of War I was just like ah, like because I, I didn't get a PlayStation till they showed PlayStation Two till they showed up at like garage sales, and so uh-huh. by that point I was playing other stuff and PC games. Um, but I, God of War 2018 was the first game I platinumed. So. Wow. Um, I really one. appreciated that game, really. and, but uh, GTA really Five good. now it's just out of spite, just out of spite. <laughs> well, to be You're... fair, Matt and I do not rail on people who are buying it for the first time. It's the people who are buying it for the second, third, or fourth times that drive us crazy. Yeah, so you remind me of the uh, the people who have never seen Star Wars and wear that as a badge of honor. <laughs> <laughs> Well, to be well, yeah. To be fair, I don't know if I would put well, maybe GTA. I don't know if I put the early God of War games up there with Star Wars, but you did. No, but it's a spite. Yeah, it's a spite part of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Aaron. What's your question? Okay. Well, since uh, I finished that level for you uh, many weeks ago, I've been uh, getting into uh, streaming, as we talked about briefly, and yep. um, so I thought I'd pick your brain a little bit just on uh, you know if you have some advice uh, how to get out there. Uh, so I mentioned that we've been recording games of Magic the Gathering with me and my friends. We play Commander. Mm-hmm. And I've recorded uh, 100, almost 120 of those games. And I've been slowly feeding them out to YouTube. And now I'm improving them and stuff. So I'm getting to a point where I feel like the videos are starting to look pretty good. At the beginning, they were really low reds. Now I've got them up to 1440. Oh, wow. uh, I love, yeah. And I love how um, Twitch will let you export straight to YouTube. I find that super helpful. I'm surprised um, that Twitch allows that because it's a huge competitor to Twitch. It's like you, I don't get it. Would like push you to export to their video producer, which sucks, by the way, because yeah. I have to use it three times a week for Pactor Factor. Because if people subscribe with Twitch Prime, they get Pactor Factor a week early on our Twitch channel, and that system on Twitch is a disaster. For instance, sometimes options are just missing. Like mm. I could upload two episodes of Pactor Factor in a week and the options, the settings that I can use while I'm uploading videos are the same. The third one, two of the options just disappear. And if you call Twitch support or try to contact, there is like no support. They won't support stuff like that. Like technical issues, no. If it's related to money, oh yeah, you can get a hold of someone. 
But if you have a technical issue or like the website isn't operating correctly, there is no one to talk to. They will say, go to this page where our engineers put like their development notes, but there's no way to like ask the engineers, hey, what the hell's going on here? There's a problem with your product. It's really bizarre, um, particularly when Twitch after not that long ago made this huge push to have VOD and to have archives that they could serve ads against. Um, I don't know. That makes no sense to me, but maybe Twitch has realized that its product is terrible and it's just decided to push people to YouTube instead. But it's great that that option is there for sure. So just a quick aside then. So you take the raw uh, video file from the Pactor Factor recording, you edit it, get it all ready, and then you have to put it through Twitch's video production. Can't you just upload it as a completed video? No, that's what I do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a they have a product called Video Producer, and it's just like YouTube. There's an upload button, okay. you click it, and you just select the file, and it uploads. But it takes way longer to upload than YouTube, and it takes literally like three times the time for it to process before it's ready to publish. So wow. I'll get an episode of Pactor Factor ready, and it sucks. We have to publish it like four different places. We have to publish it on Patreon. We have to publish it on Sifted. We have to publish it on Twitch, and we have to publish it on YouTube for the people who are subscribers and YouTube members. Um, and by the time I go through that whole process, the Twitch version is always still sitting there for another hour waiting to process compared to all the other ones. So wow. they've kind of fallen on their face with that product. And I hope they don't take it away because obviously it's a big deal for us for Twitch Prime to be able to put Pactor Factor behind the paywall so that people subscribe to uh, our Twitch channel when we get that revenue. So it's, I hate that we rely on that revenue because it is like this thing where I'm afraid that it could be taken away at any day and we could lose like a revenue stream. That's really, really important to us. So um, I wish there were a better alternative, but unfortunately right now there's not. Well, I would almost think because you used to do Pactor Factor as a bigger episode yeah. and less often. And yeah. I know you've, you've switched to the more regular and uh, obviously that's got to be a lot more work for you. Uh, it is do a you lot find more it's paying work. off though? Like at first it did um, could because so, when we used to do four questions per episode with Pactor Factor, we did it once per week, but it would take me all day and half of another day to edit it together. Um, these one question episodes take me, I don't know, like half a day, like, I don't know, probably five, six hours of work, something like that. And then after that, you have to go through the process of all the stuff I just talked about and create the thumbnail images and get all the promotion ready and stuff like that. When we first changed to single episodes, it was a boon because we were getting almost as many views on the single episodes as we were in the four question episodes. But over time, it has dwindled. And now I would say it's probably about even as far as um, the views are concerned. However, we're serving more ads now because mm. before we would only, and this was before YouTube offered you know, the ability to put ads in the middle of a video when we were doing the four question episodes um, and they added that after we went to single episodes so now we have an ad for every question instead of an ad just at the beginning of the video now that they've added that functionality and if we were to go back and do four question episodes um, we probably would be able to generate the same revenue from it because now we can insert the ads right before each question if we want to kind of like um, when we publish game face on youtube for free we have an ad before every topic um, and so we can get a lot, even though it may not do a bazillion views, we can still make some revenue off of it because we have a bunch of ads running in it. And that may have changed for Pactor Factor now that they've in in included that feature on YouTube. Uh, but at first it was great going to single topics. Now it's kind of a wash. However, 
I just think it's better to have single episodes for promotion purposes because what we would run into when we were doing four questions per episode is there was no way to tell people what was in each one because if you have four questions trying to say Pactor Factor episode <laughs> 200 <laughs> and then you have like 50 characters to get all four topics in there it's impossible there are yeah, even yeah. times it's hard when it's just a single topic if the question is really wordy it's hard to sometimes get it to get it to fit into you almost have to be like Nintendo Sony and you know uh, Stadia and the, yeah. those are our topics I, yeah I can't describe it the way I would like to describe it mm. I definitely couldn't do it if we were doing four questions so I feel like still the decision to go to single episodes was a smart one, both financially and for promoting the show and for a number of other reasons. But yeah, it is, it has lost some of its momentum financially over time. Well, you mentioned that there was a boon when you first switched over. Um, I guess my, my questions become a factor factor question, yeah. but that's like, <laughs> it's all good. Um, our, one of our most popular shows. So yeah. Well, I mean, that's honestly when I first found sifted and I think I reached out to you on Twitter, like, what six years or seven years ago now yeah um i was like hey where did pactor factor go where are we going to get pactor factor and you're like hey you know things are in transition and we'll, we'll you know keep an eye out uh and what's funny is just anecdotally i found that um before when the the, the old format i found pactor factor i was really looking forward to it and it was like okay here's a half an hour of like pactor factor and i was stoked about it and i don't know if it's me that's changed or if it's the format that's caused the, the difference for me but uh, now it just seems to be like there's always a new episode and it's just like, oh, okay, oh, maybe I'll watch a couple or like I won't watch it right away for whatever reason. Yeah. And that that was when one of my favorite shows like before. I mean, now Game Face is, is a show I look forward to every week. But I wonder if it's just maybe the boon partially is just changing. Like if you just go back and forth every six months, will you get an uptick again? I think that's tough to message. Um how do you keep telling people, okay, now it's back to the way it was. Okay. Now <laughs> we're going back to the way, the, the way it was, it was in that, yeah. in that. So everything that we do, we have to think way down the road. How is that going to work two months from now, three months from now? What if we decide to change back? And to your point about not being as excited for Pactor factor every time, I totally understand that. And that's honestly, because some topics you're, you may just not be that interested in and mm. where with the old format, you didn't know what was going to be in each episode, which I, I agree increases kind of the intrigue because we couldn't describe it all in the description of the show. So you kind of go in blind and you don't know what you're going to see. Um, but then sometimes like a lot of the complaints we got when the show was in that format was three of these four questions I didn't give a crap about. Um, but some people would and some people would stop watching if they got to the second question they didn't care about. Some people would trudge through and just leave a mean comment. So mm. basically with the format now, you're giving you're given the opportunity to pick and choose which questions you watch. And so I could totally understand why you may see one topic. You're like, maybe you're not a big Nintendo fan. And one an episode is just all about Nintendo. I, well, I, don't, totally... know if, I don't know if that's true. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just using it as an example. Um, painted that much. <laughs> I, have to, I have to admit, I I personally did like the older format, um, but that was because Pactor Factor was my de facto uh, listen to at work, ah. and it, oh, from a listening uh, and because I didn't have to watch Pactor. Yeah, yeah, I can see from yeah, the podcast so perspective it, that it's it got a little great, like. Per, it got a little grating, like in like an hour's time, listening to three or four or five, having Pactor's intros and outros, like right. ad nauseum back and forth in between each question. If I played it on a playlist, and so it just got harder to do that. I get that perspective as well. Um, is the pod, is ahead. the podcasting side of it, uh, 
um, financially beneficial for you guys at all? Like when you do, we don't even have a podcast? free. We don't even have a free podcast feed for Pactor Factor because the episodes are so short. Um, it, and honestly, to to Mike's point, um, we just feel like it's kind of a useless feed to put out there for free. Now, all our subscribers and patrons have a Pactor Factor feed that pops up in their podcast apps if they want it. Mm. Um, but we don't we don't monetize any of our podcasts yet, and part of that is how we handle our podcasts on Sifted. Um, so we generate the podcast feed ourselves. We're not working with like, there's a company called Anchor where you can go and upload all your stuff and then they automatically distribute it out to everybody and then they do monetize your podcast. But the way that Sifted works is our admin, which it literally is like a marvel what Brent built for our site. But our admin, when we upload a video into our system, it automatically transforms as long as we check a box it automatically transforms that video into a podcast that goes into the podcast feed so it's not like something i have to manually do like i render a show i don't have to then render an mp3 version of the show which is time consuming for game face that can take a long time so we just upload our mm -hmm. video files into uh, our admin and the admin automatically turns it into an MP3 and then automatically sends it to the podcast feeds. The problem with that though, is that we're circumventing the whole monetization ecosystem. So if you want to be monetized on Apple, you need to work with Apple and you need to make sure that your shows have a break exactly where they're supposed to be. Um, same with anchor. So if you start working with anchor, they're like, okay, well you need to toss to an ad at 20 seconds into the video at 18 minutes into the video at, 45 minutes into the video. And so you have, you're forced to structure your content around their paradigms instead of just creating the content that, the way you want to. Um, so I did look into Anchor not that long ago. And I actually kind of started going through the process of working with Anchor. And then I realized that it was kind of inflexible. Um, I backed out. And then the crazy part was I did not even give the go ahead to send our Sifted Radio podcast feed out through Anchor. I started the process and then got halfway through and quit. And they still pushed it through. So when I went to add Sifted Radio to Spotify, Spotify already had that feed from <laughs> Anchor. And I had to go through this crazy process oh with Spotify God. to establish myself as the owner of the podcast and then establish that this is the legitimate feed for the podcast and get it all switched around again. It was a pain in the butt. And then for some reason, people cannot understand how to set up their podcast feeds. It's really so simple. Um, but for whatever reason, some people just can't grasp it, no matter how detailed I make the instructions and how really simple it is. One of our users, and I may even said this on Ask Shane before, but one of our users went through the process of using his personal podcast feed for Game Face, and you all have one. And we can identify you guys because your username is in the URL. So we know if you're giving away our feed to your friends, we know if someone's doing something funky with their podcast feed. Well, this guy took his feed and went through the entire process at Apple Podcasts to take over our podcast feed. Now, I don't know if you guys have done this. It is literally like a two-hour process. You have to like establish all these checks and balances that you're the one who owns the feed. You have to like go into your email when they send you like these notifications to click and say, yes, I own this. And then they go through like the certification process. And so they, one of our users took over the free Game Face podcast feed. The problem with that is his feed comes out day and date. So for like a month, people on the free 
Game Face feed, we're getting Game Face day and date. They weren't getting the delayed version of it. And I had to, again, go through the process with Apple. And then it happened at Google Podcast too. And I had to go through that. And like, for whatever reason, Google, even after you it's happened and you fixed it and you've went back and forth with them a hundred times explaining what happens, their bots will crawl and find that feed that one of our users submitted and will revert to that feed because it's earlier. So Google is like, just looking for a feed that has the same content that's as early as possible. And once you've entered that stuff into their system, it's impossible to get the bots to overlook it. It has been a nightmare. So that's just another part of my job that people don't realize, managing all this crap, handling all our podcast feeds and trying to fix stuff when stuff goes wrong or one of our users does something that they shouldn't do. It's just another part of the bat behind the scenes stuff that I tackle that people are completely oblivious to for the most part, except for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. My, uh, my, my question kind of piggybacks where this leads off. If, okay. uh, if yeah, that go would ahead. be helpful. Yeah, go ahead. So um, my question was just, um, this is Mike, like, by the way, Mike's Q, one of our voiceover guys. He does a uh, game pass or fail for us among other things. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Um, my question was, uh, in a realistic sense, uh, how big would you like um, Sifted to be? Like, what kind of jobs do you wish you had one or two other people to do, like, on, like, an official, like, this is their job, a paid basis? Like, how big of a team would you like Sifted to ultimately be if you could like in a realistic manner, not like, oh, I want a hundred employees. I want to rebuild game trailers, blah, blah, like, no, but like the more realistic of like, do you want two more people? Would you like a 10 person team? Would you like three or what? Just how, how big if did you had a million dollars tomorrow? Like, what would you do with it? Okay. That's a great question because no, 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 no. A better, oh, sorry. <laughs> a better thing. If sifted had an extra 10,000 bucks guaranteed a month or 20,000 okay. okay. bucks guaranteed a month, because that's that's more useful than just a lump sum sometimes. It is, absolutely. Yep. And it's more reliable too, knowing that it's recurring and it's coming back every month. And that is a great question, by the way, because I think most people would assume that I would just answer as many people as possible and to make Sifted as big as possible. And I would say the website itself, I would like it to become as big as possible because if we could generate enough revenue, we could eventually, and I know I've been saying this for six years now, launch other channels, have an entertainment channel, have a sports channel, have a politics channel, have a viral video channel that all that you're setting your ratings for. And you have this master feed where you go there every day. And it's like everything you care about, not just games, everything. So that's been the dream all along. And so that hasn't faded. I would still like that for the website. Now, as far as like our Patreon and our audience, I am not interested in making that as big as possible because it becomes too hard to wrangle, to be perfectly honest with you. Like back when I worked at Game Trailers and we would do, you know, 120,000 people would be like a really good episode of Invisible Walls. I just had to disconnect because there would be so many comments on every video that we did that there was just no way that I could engage. And if I were to engage with one person, I felt like I was showing favoritism towards them and by not engaging with other people. So the only times I would like go into the comments for Invisible Walls or talk about anything on the show is if there was one thing that everybody was asking about. And in those cases, I would just jump in and be like, hey, it's Shane. This is kind of my perspective on this thing that you all are asking about. I'm not interested in 
creating a community that's too big for me to feel like I'm still a part of, if that makes sense. I, the thing I like most about Sifted is how personal it is and how I've gotten to know a lot of you guys. Um, that's the biggest difference with what I'm doing with Sifted versus where I've worked everywhere else. And, and so I don't want it to become so gigantic that it becomes unmanageable. Like I don't want to post a video and not read every comment because right now I do. Every comment on Game Face, every comment on Pactor Factor, I read them all. Um, I may not comment or reply to all of them, but at least I read them. And like some of the places I've worked prior, it had just become so big that it was impossible. So that's the part that I like most about what I'm doing now is getting to know the people who like the content that we're creating. Um, but anyway, to cycle back and answer your question, um, the first person I would hire if I had an extra 10 grand a month is a social media manager. Um, we are a news website that posts no news on his Twitter feed. We had somebody volunteer to do it a while back, um, like a year and a half ago they were doing it, and it made a huge difference. It made a huge difference for Game Face because he was live tweeting Game Face, and he would be like, oh, man, things are getting heated talking about the Steam Deck, and you could see people would come from our Twitter feed to watch us talk about Steam Deck or whatever it was that we were talking about that week. Um, just running a news site with us, without a social media manager is insane. Like, it just makes... No sense, but we can't afford it. And then the second thing that I would do is hire at least one other curator. Um, because Vincent, at this point, has kind of graduated from curator guy who does a little bit of video to a guy who's producing really good video and is still curating. And so I would like to have more time for him to create content and less time curating and myself as well. Like I curate Saturdays and Sundays. Vincent handles Monday through Friday and I'll jump in if there's like a big event or he's overwhelmed and there's like a ton of stuff in our queue. But for the most part, he curates Monday through Friday and then I handle Saturday and Sunday. And I don't like working Saturday and Sunday curating. I'd rather be making content for you guys. So those are the two positions I would hire first, but I would also use that money to do an extra episode or two of Game Face every week because Game Face is really what drives the eyeballs what drives the traffic it's even to the point now where game face is pretty much doing as well as pactor factor on youtube uh whereas for a long time pactor factor just destroyed game face on youtube whereas way more people watch game face at sifted than they watch pactor factor it's really bizarre how the two audiences are really different um and that may just be pack you know his his charisma maybe resonates more with the folks on youtube for whatever reason um but i would like to do more episodes of game face than one per week because again it's a podcast it's supposed to be talking about the latest news it's like steam deck this week we had a great discussion on it and there were some advantages to talking about it a little later versus kind of the knee-jerk thing that kind of funny does where it like does this podcast about something that was announced five minutes ago that's good and it's timely but you don't always have the full story then so it does work out into our favor sometimes, but there's no reason why we can't deliver our hot takes as soon as something breaks. And then in the next episode of Game Face, really dive deep once all the information is there. So um, essentially, if we were to get an extra $10,000 a month, more of it would be going to Matt so that he could do an extra episode with me per week, at least one more. And that is one of our goals on Patreon. Or right you could now. revive, you could revive like deep dive or those different A lot of stuff. Things. We could, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We could do a lot of, I mean, I can't even fathom like making more money at this point because we have literally been at the same amount of money or give or take a hundred or $200 for like two years. It's, it's very frustrating. It feels like no, nothing we do makes a difference because even our patrons like don't give our content a chance. It's like, 
you know, I started three night weekend. Everybody loves it. This is like, this is it. This is what's going to break sifted. This is the show that everyone's going to love and people are going to flood your Patreon and it's finally going to change. No, it didn't. People watch the first two episodes and stopped watching it. And it's a lot of work and a pain in the ass for me. And it's hard to get people on the show. And there's a law of diminishing returns because once you have someone on the show, they're not coming on the show again. So every time you do it, the pool of people gets smaller and those pool of people also get bigger and they have bigger jobs and they have less free time to just sit around and talk with me for an hour and a half about their life in video games. So, and then, you know, we had Sifted HQ, which is probably the best produced thing that we've ever made. Very slick. Um, we, you know, we went all in with a graphics package for it. Same deal. First few episodes did great. We're like, wow, we're finally onto something here. This could be huge. And then dwindles to nothing. And then it, ultimately people just watch Game Face Impact or Factor. It's very frustrating. Um, the algorithm, I think, on YouTube isn't our friend because we just don't have enough people watching each episode. So we never get put into people's feeds. Like, I believe in Game Face. I think it's a freaking great video game podcast. It does things that no other gaming podcast is doing. It simply does. We run B-roll for games. You see the games while we're talking about them. Everyone else has taken the easy way out by just sitting there and talking or in some cases financially taking the easy way out because they don't want to buck up for the equipment that it takes to do what we do with Game Face. But it's frustrating that no one seems to recognize that or care. It's like, I feel like we could just sit there with a webcam with a crappy mic on our Astro headsets and the show would do just as well. Like it's frustrating. I'll be honest with you. Like I'm a very patient person and I persevere. Like I don't quit. And obviously I don't quit because I've been, you know, trudging forward with sifted now for six years with like basically living on poverty wages, but it has gotten to the point recently where I'm just like, I don't know what we could do aside from like giving away a million dollars per episode, like Mr. Beast or whatever. Like, I don't know what it takes at this point to I have a question. Uh, if we watch game face. So if I, I'll be honest for whatever reason, I've tried to watch game face live on Twitch and I'll have it on my phone, but it just always seems to pause and buffer. Like this has been happening through a number of different computers. So oftentimes I will watch it the next day uh, on sifted. Mm -hmm. Is it does, now? Am I, is that counting towards your YouTube view count or not? Um, no. So here's the other thing about another thing I have to do. That's a part of my job that people don't realize is I have to publish everything twice. So when we first publish it for you guys, our patrons or our subscribers, the video is unlisted. And so we, we have two options. Once we do that, we can later when the video becomes free for everybody else, we can turn it to public but then people don't get notified that the video is live mm -hmm. or we can upload a new version, but we have to re-render it because YouTube will pick up on the fact that it's the same file and it will reject it. So we have to like tweak the render settings just a little bit so that the file size isn't exactly the same and then it will pass through. So we publish it once for you guys and then we have to re-render the episode again. And I'm about to do that as soon as we get off of this call today for Game Face. Um, because the show goes up on YouTube tomorrow. So once this call is done, I will re-render Game Face, the latest episode, and that takes four and a half hours. And then I'll have to upload it to YouTube again. And it's like 11 gigs. So that will take into the middle of the night. And so when I get up tomorrow morning, it will all be done on YouTube and ready to go. And then I'll get all the promotion ready, um, handle the description on YouTube, and then decide what time I want to publish it, which is usually like early afternoon every Sunday. Um, so that's kind of the process that I go through with everything we do. 
and it it's crazy. Sometimes I'm like, I've got like six tabs just to publish an episode of Factor Factor. I got like six or seven tabs open. I'm going tech, 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 going back and forth, copying, pasting stuff from one to another. Like it's nuts. There's really no other way to put it, but I mm. can't afford to hire anyone to help me with this stuff. And that would be the third job <laughs> that I would hire is this stuff, like handling all the uploading, all the promotion, um, all the re-rendering and re-uploading that I have to do that takes up a bunch of my time when my time could be better spent creating content for you guys or working on content deals or working on finally getting ads running on Sifted or all the other stuff that comes along with running a business, like just handling like our taxes or, you know, right now I've been in the process of finding a new location and that's taken a lot of my time over the last month and a couple weeks it's because it's a lot of legwork i'm driving all over la looking at new office spaces and the traffic here sucks so i go look at an office space and it takes me an hour to get there and i get there and the pictures that were online aren't anything like what the office really looks like then i just burned two hours of time like looking at because the real estate agent was shady like it just goes on and on and normally at companies you have people who are doing this i'm doing all of it and uh, sometimes it can feel overwhelming, but what I've learned over the last like six years is like, I can only do what I can do. And if I give my all every day, that's it. That's, I can't do anything else. So if I get to the end of the day and I feel like I haven't accomplished what I thought I needed to accomplish that day, I don't beat myself up for it anymore because it's pointless. It's not gonna help me perform better the next day. And if I did as well as I could that day, what else could I have done? So it's, it's just crazy the mental gymnastics that I go through with Sifted because, you know, obviously I have a lot of experience and there's always this thing in the back of my mind of I could just go get a job and this could all be over. You know, it's very tempting at times to just be like, cause I make like nothing. Like we're at the point now where I'm losing money every month. I do not make enough from Sifted to pay all my bills. So Every month there's a hundred or 200 or in some months, $500. It's coming out of my savings account to keep sifted afloat. So it's, um, it's tough, but uh, you know, I'm a small business and small business owners are dealing with this all over the United States. And uh, you know, maybe they're not creating video content. They're running a barber shop or they have a pressure washing business or whatever. Um, all small business owners deal with this and either you can deal with it or you can't. And the people who can't deal with it are the people who fold their small businesses. So um, I keep trying well, to forward because I believe in it. Yeah, no, thanks for your, just thanks for that. Uh, that honest answer. Um, yeah. I actually have to bounce. I snuck away from a uh, baby shower for my <laughs> sister. <laughs> I love um, I like that. You have your priority straight, Mike. <laughs> but I just want to uh, make sure to, to bounce in and, uh, and uh, be a part of this. So thanks for stopping by, man. It means a lot and have fun. Everyone else have a great afternoon. And I'll check the rest of this later. Okay. Take care, Mike. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Jay Lynn, you got a question for me? Hi. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm kind of bummed that Max key left because I wanted to tell him that I also haven't played GTA five. <laughs> oh, <yet>. really? <laughs> yeah. Out of spite. Um, we got the no, anti GTA <laughs> crew here. No, uh, yeah, you know, I play not, not out of a spite. I'll, I might get around to opening it at one point, but I just haven't because there's so many other games I'd rather be playing. I mean, um, I don't blame you at this point. Like, would I recommend that people go back and play it? I wouldn't. Yeah. Games have really moved on. I think that's why it bothers Matt and I so much that people keep buying this thing. It's like. It makes no sense. There are so many games that are so better than it at this point. Now, when it came out, it was amazing. It was 
top of the class when it came out. It came out almost a decade ago. Like things have moved on. Things have improved. Games have changed. And that game has remained the same. And people just keep sucking it up. Like that's what drives Matt and I crazy more than anything. So at this point, if you haven't played it, like I wouldn't tell you to go back and play it, to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably not going to open it, even though I got yeah. it for free on Ep- Epic Game Store. I'm probably not going to open it. Well, everybody's got it for free on Epic Game Store not that long ago, and it was on PlayStation Plus for a while, and right now it's on Xbox Game Pass, so it just keeps recycling. And uh, Rockstar, I'm actually friends with the several people who work at Rockstar, and um, they just tell me that like they're making so much money off GTA Online that it just keeps them pushing back the timeline to put out new games. They're like, why? We have this money-making machine and if we can have this team of 100 people working on it, it's just cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. It never stops. Um, and so it's going to take consumers finally turning their back on this game before you're going to start seeing regular output from Rockstar. So people are complaining like, man, once every seven years for a new Rockstar game, it's because of you. It's because you keep playing their old games and giving them money for their old games. If you want to see a new Rockstar game, stop playing the old ones. <laughs> and believe me, their asses will get in gear and we'll get a new Rockstar game. It's as simple as that. It's all economics. So I, I admire you. You're taking the <laughs> right stand and people like you are going to guarantee it won't be another seven years until we play another Rockstar game. And if we do, hopefully it won't be Red Dead Redemption 3. It'll be GTA or one of the other dozen properties that they have just sitting there rotting on the vine. It really is crazy. Like you can, I cannot think of another developer or publisher that has so much IP just sitting there that they're doing nothing with. It's like, give it to somebody. Let's go to, well, not you can't now because they were purchased, but why didn't you go to like Blue Point and have them make a game for you? Like, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, I know why, because Rockstar are control freaks and they don't trust anyone else to make their games, but sensibly, that's what Rockstar should be doing because it could be making so much more, more money than it is right now, releasing one game every like decade, essentially at this point, so. Anyway, what's your question? I have, a, I have a tendency to ramble. I'm sorry, Jeff. <laughs> it's okay. No worries. Um, yeah, you know, uh, just wanted to, before I ask my question, I just want to say thank you for everything that you oh, do. Oh, man. For us. It's, I, awesome. it's an honor to create content for you guys. It really is. Like, I, and again, that's part of the personal connection that I was talking about earlier. Like, when I worked at GT and all the other places, G4 and GameSpot, I felt like I was working for this perception of a person in my mind. I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what they really liked. I didn't know what they hated. I didn't know what they liked outside of games. I was just like, I built this framework, this construct of a human being in my brain. And that's who I was creating content for. And it was very impersonal. Um, I like that I know you guys. I like that I know what a lot of people like and what a lot of people don't like. I like that I know that some of you guys are strictly PC gamers and some of you are strictly Nintendo gamers. And I like that we have some people that I know that are like hardcore Xbox fans. Like I, that's again, that's the part about running Sifted that I love the most is getting to know the people involved. Um, That's one thing that also drives me crazy about working on Sifted is that I work alone so, so much. Like this room that I'm sitting in right now I am in here like 14 hours a day and it is about 10 feet by 12 feet. And there's a bed in here and there's a dresser right here and there's a dresser right over here. And it's just me. It was a little bit better over the last year because my wife was working from home too. So it would be funny. Like I'd be working it. She would work at our kitchen table and she had her big dual monitor set up for her job. She's an executive assistant. 
And then I would be back here in the back bedroom. And it was funny. Like sometimes we both like get up and walk to the kitchen to get a drink. And it was like being at the water cooler at like my old jobs. And we'd be like, Hey, did you see what happened on the internet or this story or that story? But now she's back in the office and I'm working by myself again. And it sucks. Like I hate it. I love working with other people. I love bouncing ideas off other people. I love working on something together and accomplishing something as a team. Um, I feel like I have no one to celebrate big wins with anymore. Not that we have a ton of them or we get a ton of them. Uh, and I have nobody to really go to and be like, man, that really sucks. Like, let's let's talk about it so we both feel better about it. It's just the very strange dynamic that I wasn't used to for the first 20-some years of my professional career. Um, but you guys, knowing you guys and feeling in a lot of ways like you're my brothers or my friends, like, it helps with that a lot. It Because it, I'm losing that personal connection from my daily workday, and I'm gaining it from the people who are actually using the site and consuming our content. Well, if you ever want to get a beer, I'm um, I'm in LA too. So wait, you're in LA? Yeah. Where do I'm you in, live? I'm like, in Redondo. Just Beach. neighborhood. You're in Redondo. Yeah. I may be down there for a fantasy football draft in a couple of weeks. Cool. Well, There's buddy, a lot of breweries here. If you wanna, if you wanna. There check are. Them out. Yeah, we, I come down there. Well, I used to come down there every year for a fantasy draft, and then the guy who lived there moved to Arizona, and he just moved back, and so we're starting to get our our league like draft stuff all set up right now. And everyone's pushing to go back down there. Cause it's awesome. It's like you do the draft, you finish up and then you go drinking at the bars, like on the beach. And it's just, it's amazing. And so um, I might be down there very soon. And if that's the case, I will absolutely uh, get in touch with you when we're done with our draft and you can meet us out at the bar that we go to and we could have a drink or two. Dream come true. Again, <laughs> again, something that I love about this that I never would have done on GT. And you're not the first person I've done this with. I met people who come to LA and they're like, Hey, I'm coming to LA. Will you meet me? I do. Like I'd meet them out at a bar and we get a couple beers and we shoot the shit for a couple hours and uh, we both go on our way. They keep going on their vacation and I come home. So um, I'm all about like meeting face to face with the folks from the site. And uh, I would love to meet up with you in Redondo. Awesome. Okay. My question. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's very light. Uh, you've had your new TV for a while now. Oh yeah. I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, and um, can you, would you now that you've had it would you recommend it and what are the pros and cons of that tv great okay so for those of you who don't know i finally upgraded from my panasonic plasma um about it's been about seven months now i got it i got an lg cx oled tv at the end of last year i bought it the same week that i got my ps5 and my xbox series console because i need it i needed a 4k tv sidebar when i got my new tv I took my plasma and it's a 65 inch plasma. It's huge. And it weighs 130 pounds. I took, my wife was out of town. She actually went home for Christmas. I didn't. I hauled that over to the studio by myself, got it out of the truck into the elevator, took it up into the studio by myself. I had to lay blankets on the floor and mm. then slide it across the blankets on the floor. Literally almost broke me. But anyway, I did get it into the studio. It's in there right now. And I'm trying to sell it right now on, on Craigslist. And I cannot find anyone to buy it. Uh, people just see it's 1080p. And like, and this is LA, where you would think there would be a lot of people that would be looking for a Panasonic Curo panel. Because they're for video files, they're like the holy grail. And I'll say this. Watching TV, 1080p stuff, looks better on that plasma. It does. It still does. The darks aren't quite as dark, but they're still like basically flat black. But everything else just looks better. 
Um, watching 1080p on my 4K LG CX, there's something there's something weird about it. A lot of times it feels like there's almost like this like pixelated edge around things. So I actually think my plasma looks better for 1080p than my LG CX does. Now, obviously, 4K, that's a whole different story. Um, the 4K, like for playing games, it's mind-blowing. The LG CX, I do not regret buying it a day. Um, I got mine for like 1800 at Costco, and I had been saving for years for my new TV. So when I had the money, I was ready to pull the trigger. Um, and I got it for like 1800 I think I've seen it now for like 1550 They already released like the new year's version. It's not called the CX anymore. It's like the C1, I think, is the new model number. Um, it's worth every freaking penny. It is literally mind-blowing. Like when you're watching 4K stuff or when you're playing games. The HDR is stunning, et cetera, et cetera. I love having all the apps on the TV um, with my Plasma. All I had was YouTube and Netflix. And the YouTube app crashed and never worked again. And that is apparently a thing for those TVs. Everybody's YouTube app crashes and there's no way to fix it. And I did have to put that in the app when I put it on Craigslist. But anyway, I only had on that TV, I only had Netflix and YouTube. On this one, it's everything. The only thing it doesn't have yet is HBO Max, which I have no idea why they haven't got an HBO Max app ready for those TVs yet, but they don't. Um, so as far as the picture quality, um, the apps, like I don't have to like use my consoles to use like YouTube or anything like that anymore, which is awesome. I can just use it directly on the TV. However, the big issue I have with this TV is that there is something wrong with it when it works with Xbox Series X. It, it just cuts out. I'll be playing a game like a Rocket League or a shooter or whatever, and the screen just goes black. And it, sometimes it, it'll come right back. Sometimes it can take up to 20 seconds for the TV to turn off, come back on, handshake with the Series X, and display again. And by that time, like if I'm playing Rocket League, two goals have been scored already, and the team has like kicked me or whatever. Like they hate me because my car has just been sitting there the whole time. That is a problem. And I'm not alone either. It is a known issue between the Xbox Series X and the LG CX. And for whatever reason, they have not been able to figure it out. It just happened to me again last night. And there are times where I can play my Series X for hours and it doesn't happen. There are other times I'll play it and it'll happen once every 45 minutes. Like they just, there's something wrong with the handshake between the console and the TV. Um, I've read a bunch of Reddit threads about it. No one can, no one seems to be able to figure it out, but everyone's having the problem. So that is the, the only con really um, that I have with the television is that it does not play nicely with my Series X. PS5, beautiful, no problems. I don't know what they're doing on Xbox that's causing the problems, uh, but it's an issue. So, um, so I guess at the end of all, you're like, would I recommend people buy it? Absolutely. In fact, I've already recommended that TV to at least four people who have already bought it and every single person has come back to me and said, oh, my God, thank you. So and some people were like, I don't want like a 65 inch TV. And I'm like, just put down the extra 300 bucks and get the 65 inch. And they'll be like, it's too big for my room. It's too big for my I'm like, it's not. It's like once you get it the first day, you'll be like, holy crap, that's big. And the next day you wake up, you won't even notice it again. And every single one of the people that bought it got in touch with me and said, you were right. The first day we watched a movie and we were all like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm in the movie. And he's like, and now it's just watching television. So I wholeheartedly recommend the LG CX OLED TV. I recommend an OLED TV in general. Um, it's really interesting. Like when the screen goes dark on an LED, 
the room goes completely pitch black. You can't see anything. So even on my plasma where the darks were really dark, if the screen went dark, it still emitted a little bit of light off the TV. So the room was still illuminated. And OLED, it goes pitch black because the way OLEDs work is the pixel was completely turned off. It's not emitting anything. So when a, an OLED displays black, it just means that it's not that those pixels aren't lit at all. Whereas other TVs, the pixel is actually dark. So it's still emitting some form of light. Like uh, when the screen goes white, the whole room lights up white. <laughs> it's really, it's like I've never experienced anything like this with a TV before. I love it. It's definitely state of the art. The prices are coming down. If you're going to upgrade to a TV, definitely get an OLED. Do you awesome. have one, Jeff? Thank you. Do you have an OLED, Jeff? No, I don't. I have um, an old LCD. Okay. Yeah. Well, when you're ready to upgrade, upgrade, put out the extra money for the OLED. It's literally the last TV you're going to have to own. I mean, (laughs) it is, though. It it can't get any better than that. 8K, sure. So if you you want a TV that's 70 inches or bigger for 8K, then you'll see the difference. But it has to be gigantic. So if you're... If you're going to stick with a normal size TV up to like 65 or 70 inches, there's no reason to ever buy another TV after you get this OLED. And it's also like that thin. It's razor thin. Like it's honestly scary. Like when I was hanging it on the wall, the wall mount, like it and like holding it, like it felt like the top of the TV was almost flexing because it's so thin and it did make me nervous. But now that I have it up there, like you look at the side profile and it is just razor thin and it has like this little like bump at the bottom where it has like some components or whatever. But otherwise it is just laser thin. The image goes pretty much all the way out to the edge. I think the bezel on it's like a centimeter. Maybe they're just awesome TVs and worth every penny. So when you're ready to upgrade, go OLED. <laughs> look who's here. JM rain. What's going on, man. Making it rain. He makes it rain every week on Game Face. He is very generous. He has, I can't even tell you how many ways you've helped us, Jay, um, throughout the last few years. You're just awesome, man. You are an MVP of Sifted. Um, I appreciate that you stop in for all the Ask Shane Anythings. And you've sat there patiently for the last, actually, we've already hit an hour. Man, I can talk. (laughs) That's crazy. You sat there patiently and silently for the whole hour. how are you? And also, did you see a uh, Pactor shout out on Pactor Factor to thank you? No, for- I haven't yet, but I will check that out. I have uh, my husband's nephews are with us, so I haven't okay. had much chance to watch stuff. Yeah, um, it's at the end they're... of one of the episodes. So the the cre- like the end slate rolls, and then he comes back, and it's like a minute long thank you that oh, he cool. gives you for getting his PS. He really, really appreciates it. I took it to him last weekend. And ended up actually hanging out with him and his family for quite a while. It was the first time I had seen Pactor face to face. So not only was I, able, was I able to deliver the PS5 that you got for him, it also gave me an mm. excuse to finally go and see him and his family face to face. Because like at this point, Pactor's not like this guy that I work with. He's like a good friend of mine. And his family are all good friends of mine. Like we all love each other and I know all his dogs and everything. Like and so it was good to have a reason to go back down there. And I think it may have convinced Pactor to finally start shooting the show in person again, which would be oh, cool. amazing for me 
the Zoom stuff. I'm sick of doing the show on Zoom. It looks awful. His video looks terrible. I went back and watched an old episode of Pactor Factor when we shot it in person and my eyes almost popped out of my head. I was like, oh my God, look how good that looks. It's just funny how over time you just get used to something and it just becomes the way it is. Um, so one, you hooked him up with his PS5 and he is like over the moon about it. And two, you may have it reignited in person Pactor Factor filming. So thank you very much, Jay, man. I just, I can't say thanks to you enough, like for just all the stuff that you've done for me and for Sifted. So do you have a question? <laughs> uh, sure. Well, thank you. Like, I'm happy to help because I love Sifted. I love Game Face. I love the community. It's been great to be a part of. Yeah, um, you're a great part and of it. I guess, I guess a question would be, I'm kind of bummed out because there's not really big games that i'm looking forward to until early next year are there any surprises or or things that will come out closer to the holiday seasons that we don't know about yet or are we kind of out of luck until i hate to tell you this and i hate it for myself too because i'm running a gaming website and a podcast that relies on big stuff coming out every week and no (laughs) there's there's no one riding to the rescue, unfortunately. In fact, there may be more games as the year gets the end of the year gets closer that get pushed into next year. And I'm right there with you, man. Like I've been looking down the barrel at like the rest of the year and I'm like, where is where are all the games? I mean, that was one of the recent questions for Pactor Factor after E3 was like, where are all the AAA games? Like with everything getting delayed into next year and some stuff iffy. Um, it could be really dry. Like this month is terrible. I don't know if you watched our dossier for this month where we share 10 games worth buying every month, but more than half of them were indie games. That never happens with that show. So July is bad. I haven't looked at August yet, although I'm going to have to here soon because I need to start working on that video. Um, but yeah, I mean, it feels to me like there's going to be in Q4, which is October, November, December, it really looks like there's going to be two or three kind of big games each of those months, and then the rest is all pushed into next year. So, again, I don't think there's going to be like this game that's just going to ride in and save the year or anything like that. I do think there will be enough games for people who are at least open to most genres will have something pretty good to play for the rest of the year. But if you're kind of picky with the games that you play and you only like specific genres, it could get a little tough. And, um, you know, so many people just plunk down 550 bucks for new consoles. They got to be salty. I'm a little salty about PS5. I'll be honest with you. I haven't turned mine on now for probably since I finished Ratchet. And that was a month ago, month and a week ago. It literally has not been turned on since. Um, Series X has turned into my daily driver over the last like three months um, because the hard drive's bigger and Game Pass. And so if I want to sample stuff on Game Pass, the hard drive is big enough that I can just download it. If I don't like it, I just delete it. Every time I want to play a new game on PS5 now, it's tough. I'm like, I don't really want to delete this game because it's 100 gigs now. And if I delete it, it's going to take me two and a half days just to download it again. So it becomes this like, again, mental gymnastics that I'm going through trying to figure out how to manage my space on PS5. I don't have to do that on my Series X. And so it has turned into my daily driver. Like it's the console that I boot up every day. I'm like, oh, I'll play a match of Rocket League. Oh, I'll play some Battlefield or whatever. Um, and then I'll go to Game Pass. I'll be like, oh, here's a cool indie game, like Chris Tales or whatever that I want to check out and see what it's like. Uh, so yeah, it's, um, it's worse than I thought it was going to be. New console launches are generally like this. Like you get front loaded with the launch lineup to convince everybody to jump in. Ha ha. Um, 
And then once they do, it always seems like there's this lull. But what I had anticipated was all those other games that they showed at the beginning of the PS5, I thought those all were going to be out by now at this point. And some of them have been delayed, and we don't even know when they're coming. Gran Turismo 7, where's that game? When's it coming? And then all the stuff that's left really are the smaller games like Kena and stuff like that. So where are the big games? PS5 especially, like, where are the big freaking games? It's And then Pactor, his latest episode, talks about one of his latest episodes – talks about you know how sony's going to keep supporting the ps4 until probably 2023 because that's what it's always done um and so i think people are getting a little restless with that it obviously hasn't hurt the ps5's hardware sales they still are selling everyone they can make uh, i feel like it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy at this point with the ps5 like people are just buying it because they're supposed to buy it um but yeah i mean you're not wrong the release calendar for the rest of this year is looking real slim. And I wouldn't even be surprised if some games like Dying Light 2 that are scheduled for like early December right now end up getting pushed out of the year. I hope it doesn't because it's on my fantasy team and I would pretty much win if that game comes out. Uh, but I would not be surprised if it does get delayed and uh, just, just one less game worth looking forward to that'll come out in 2021. So it's not just you. It's legit. There just aren't a lot of games right now. Um, I do think that developers are struggling with the straddling the line between the two platforms. I think it's easier than it's ever been. Like going from N64 development to GameCube development was tough because the architectures were all different. Going from PS2 development, which was really tough, to PS3 development, which was mm. even harder, that wasn't easy either. But the transition from PS4 to PS5 or Xbox One to xbox series should not be that hard um and you have the pandemic that's in there and that's slowing stuff down it's just it's just been a perfect storm of shit to be perfectly <laughs> honest with you and that's why we're in the position that we're in right now is because it's just all these factors have come to bear and um yeah i mean i would be all for them dropping ps4 support today but i own a ps5 and if you're a ps4 owner who can't get a ps5 you say i hate you shane for saying that so i try to keep everyone's perspective in mind uh when i kind of go about my my commentary on shows like game face but it can be hard because i'm sitting here with this thing i spent a bunch of money for and i'm not using it so and a lot of people were probably like that too if they didn't like demon souls all they got was ratchet at this point and i was one of the people who didn't like demon souls all that much i played it more than i probably wanted to because it was so gorgeous but it got to a certain point where i was just like screw this like this game's just too mean-spirited and i stopped um, and I feel like a lot of people probably are that way and they played ratchet, which is amazing game of the year material, but now what? So yeah, it's a, uh, it's, what do you think? You have a PS five Jay. Yeah. 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 You know, I, I have such a backlog in their PS four games, but like, there's so yeah. many things that I've wanted to play that I haven't had time to. Um, so like I've got games to play, but I, I'm always looking for the next one. Like I'm yeah. looking forward to the Elden Ring. I can't wait till that game comes out. And, and like it scratches that itch because yep. this is my hobby. This is yep. what I love doing. You know so what I've been playing I'm, this week? I'm a little, what was that? <laughs> you want to know what I've been playing this week? Because we have to play stuff or otherwise there's no podcast. And by the way, this is the last ever episode of Game Face coming up at our old studio. So you kind of yeah. want it to be like something special, but there's no games coming out. So I'm like scrambling. I have been playing Pokemon Unite, which is a, Pokemon MOBA for Switch. Mm. And as you guys probably know, I was at one time was a huge League of Legends player. I have quit playing League of Legends. I have not played it now for four months, five months. Wow. I just stopped one day. I just got fed up. 
I couldn't handle the community anymore. I got sick of losing games because people quit mid-game. I got sick of having to play 20 minutes before you could even surrender when you knew you were going to lose five minutes into the game. I just got sick of all of it and quit. So this is the first time I played a MOBA at all for like five months. And it's not bad. I have been pleasantly surprised <laughs> by it. Now, there are some issues with it, and I'll talk more about it on Game Face on Tuesday. There are some issues with it that I don't like being a seasoned MOBA player. But if you've never played the genre, play it. It's free. It's free to play. They've done a pretty good job of making sure it's not free to or pay to win. Um, and there, it's simple compared to Dota or League of Legends. But if it's your first MOBA, you want it to be simple. So if you've ever been curious about the genre and want to give it a go, this is a great way to do it. And it's free. You know, it, literally, you just download it and you can start playing right away. Um, and I've been kind of hooked on it here. And it could be that I've been going through league withdrawal because I quit. And maybe I didn't realize in the back of my mind how much I missed it. And now that's pouring out into Pokemon Unite. But I have been playing it a lot. Like I played it yesterday for a while. And then last night after my wife went to bed, I played it for another few hours. It's a, it's a passable, workable MOBA. And it is tailored to people who are just learning about the genre. So that's what I find myself doing, Jay. When times like this, when there's no games coming out, or I'll invade Game Pass, like I said earlier, I just downloaded Chris Tales. I'm going to check that out probably later today. Um, you got to get crafty when you got to put together a podcast every week. Um, but I realize people just don't have time for that. They, it isn't their job to cover games and spend all their time trying to figure out where there is something to play. I think part of that maybe is our job on Game Face, particularly in times like this, to expose you guys to games that you should check out. And I think the website too, you know, we rate every piece of content, content that comes through our site. So if we find an indie game that we feel is, should be on your radar, we'll rate content for that indie game a little higher to make sure it pops up a little higher in your SIF. So maybe you see it and you're like, hmm, that's strange that that game's up so high in my SIF today. Um, we hope that you guys kind of subliminally pick up on that stuff and uh, maybe start looking at games that aren't on the AAA or big budget radar, as it were. Do you guys ever consider on Game Face if it is slow to like pepper in something like a topic of like uh, a you know a Netflix show or something that uh, is really popular or maybe game adjacent? We do that stuff sometimes, but what we found, what I found is Matt always talks about whatever he's watching at the beginning of Game Face, and sometimes I prompt him to if there's something big, like I'll say, "Hey, what's Loki like?" Because mm. he, I think he's a pretty reliable source on that stuff. You know, obviously opinions will vary, but what I found is a lot of stuff that he says that he likes. If I watch it, it's good. And if he says it stinks, it's not always bad, but it's usually in that zone. He, he does have some kind of preconceived notions about some stuff. And I've known him well enough that I know that I can just kind of ignore some of his stuff because he's, there's some things that he just doesn't like that I know that already that I do like. So as you listen to him more, you start to figure out what stuff you agree with, with him on and stuff that you don't necessarily agree with him on. And so my filter on that stuff is pretty good. But anyway, back to your question, he'll volunteer that stuff at the beginning of the show, or I'll prompt him to talk about it. And then in the Q and a at the end, people almost always ask him about what's the latest movie that came out. What do you think of it? What do you think about this TV show or whatever? So we end up kind of covering that stuff organically. However, mm. we will get creative with segments sometimes. Um, like we have a series that we call high low that we do every once in a while. Um, we're going to start doing a fun thing when we get into the new studio that I'm not going to spoil here. Uh, that's kind of in that vein as well. 
Um, so yeah, we, you have to get creative and you have to get crafty. Otherwise you don't have a show. So it's a pain. We wish we could be talking about games all the time and recommending games to you guys, but ultimately you guys are paying for content. We want to make sure that we deliver that to you every week and uh, without kind of straying outside of the boundaries as they were, um, we wouldn't be able to do that. So yeah, we definitely do that stuff sometimes for sure. I was just going to ask because I've been, you know, working on the streaming stuff and I feel like I'm starting to get to a point where it's like, I really want to put it out there. Oh, that's more. right. You never did ask me about the <laughs> streaming stuff. <laughs> that's funny. I guess uh, my question would be just what tips or advice would you give me to sort of, um, I don't know, promote or like, you know, get it to, to in front of people's eyeballs that are going to be the kind of people that might want to come back and, and watch it. I mean, obviously the, I got to go for the, the target in this case, sort of being magic, the gathering, but you know, in general, well, I'll tell you this. I wish it were more game related instead of kind of a tabletop game related, because we, you know, we try to promote content from our users all the time. We have like, oh, yeah. at this point, I think we have three community podcasts that we're promoting and are, and are going into people's sifts. So the First channel, I should say, does also, I do uh, video game streaming uh, on, um, I've been going through the old episodes of Game Face uh, mm -hmm. just while I'm doing stuff. I've been watching them from the beginning, actually. I think it was probably because I heard something about the Marcus, the whole thing with Marcus. I was like, oh, I should uh, go and watch those. <laughs> and then I just kept watching them, right? Yeah. But they're great background. I've seen them before, but why not? Yeah. And uh, a recent one, Matt was talking about uh, Chasm. And I was like, oh, that'd be a fun. So I actually, I've got about four or five episodes that I've been streaming Chasm. So the channel is like, it's EDH 420 because EDH is a magic uh, format thing. But then I'm also streaming games. So mm -hmm. there is, yeah, it's not just only magic. Okay. Well, I will say this. If you, as you do more game centric stuff, reach out to me and I'll take a cool. look at it and see if we want to add it to our SIF. So that's one way uh, that we can, we can help personally. As far as you getting your channel up and going, I would recommend joining online communities for Ma if it's Magic the Gathering, join the Magic the Gathering online community. I'm sure there's like a forum out there that everybody goes to, or maybe it's a Reddit thread mm. or whatever. And when you go into those places, like introduce yourself first, become a part of the community first, then start pushing your stuff. Don't just show up on day one and be like, hey, here's this, because one, you may get banned. Some of those communities mm. are like, this isn't a place to just shill your stuff. Like you may have to establish yourself in the community first and then start saying, Hey, well, here's my stream. I've been doing some stuff like, or maybe you invite the head moderator from that forum to play with you, or you start inviting people from that community mm. to play with you because that will incentivize them to go back on that forum and say, Hey, like we're playing this game. We're all really good at it. Maybe you guys should check out our stream. And then that's how things start to kind of trickle out and the tentacles start to grow because then those people are also on their social media accounts saying, Hey, I'm about to stream this game live with sore fear. And um, people will start showing up for your streams. But look, I am not the authority on this stuff. Like we have 2,500 followers on Twitch or something like that. Um, so it's not like I've built this absolutely gigantic audience. And I would just say it's hard. There's no easy way about it. You may even want to consider like, I hate to say it, but spending some money to advertise or market on YouTube, find like some channels where it's really popular magic gathering stuff and create a pre-roll and say, Hey, this is what we're doing over here. This is our Twitch URL. We're here every Wednesday at blah, blah, blah. Come see us. And for those five second ads, you can get a lot into five seconds. If you're smart about it, you don't have to pay that much. And if you're really targeting the stuff to the right groups, which you can through Google AdSense, you can start drawing some people from there. But I'm not going to deny it. It's hard. It's hard to build an audience because 
a lot of it just comes down to algorithms. So if you're archiving your stuff on YouTube, like you can go in and add tags, but YouTube would, itself tells you right there that its tags don't do much anymore, which is just absurd. It says right there, like, really, you should only use these if people commonly misspell things. So like when we publish an episode of Pactor Factor, we use a tag, Pack Attack. So if people from the game trailers days are like, what the heck happened to Pack Attack and Pactor Factor? And they go on YouTube and they search Pack Attack. Hopefully it pulls up Pactor Factor. So, you know, Pack Attack is like pack hyphen attack exclamation point. So in our tags, I'll type it that way. I'll type just Pack Attack. I'll type Pack Attack, just one word. But does most of it do anything? Probably not. Like a lot of it just comes down to word of mouth, getting exposed to the right group of group of people and working the algorithm. And is your guess is as good as mine to what YouTube's algorithms are and what actually works because I've been trying to figure it out for six years. And I'll be honest with you, it feels like I failed at it. So well, I think they change their algorithm. They uh, do, and they change it yeah. too. So you may think that yeah. you're doing something that's suddenly working and it doesn't. And I don't know. It's it's a mystery to everybody. You can Google it yourself and you can <laughs> see there's Reddit groups that are like trying to figure out the YouTube algorithm and they can't because they keep it private and there's no way to data mine it to figure out what's going on. So it's I heard like time of day, uh, like rely, uh, releasing on a reliable, reliable schedule. Yeah. So every day now I'm releasing at 420 every day, Pacific time, I'm putting up you a video, the perfect time. Well, that's it. <laughs> I thought I might as well go with the brand, right? <laughs> that's great. Um, we'll yeah, I mean, they say that that works. Like, I don't know. We've tried that. It doesn't seem like it made any difference for us. Mm. Um, a lot of it is just whether your followers ring the fricking bell. So they get notified when the new content goes up, like, yeah. Ringing the notification bell is more important than anything is, I think, in getting recurring people to come back. Um, but now every video is like, ring the bell, ring the yeah, bell. Everyone. It's, like, and it's annoying. It's an annoying and I, thing. Try, yeah. I hate saying it. And I feel yeah. stupid saying it, to be honest with you. I hate, I feel stupid saying all that stuff. Smash the like button, ring the bell, mm. subscribe. Like everybody's so sick of that crap. I'm sick of it. But at a, at a certain point, I was like, I've got to start doing it because we're not growing. And all these mm. other people that are that it's, it's very frustrating when you go and watch like a terrible video that has like a million views and their channel has like 5 million subscribers. You're just like, how, why, like, mm. why, why aren't we growing? And a lot of it just comes down to the algorithm. How many people like the video when it first goes up? That's another one. And again, that ties into the notification bell because if they're notified as soon as it goes up, they go there as soon as it goes up and they like the video immediately. And that sets the algorithm in motion. That is one thing that I do know that YouTube does. Um, but overall, I know you're trying to build your brand on Twitch, but I would say using YouTube as the tool to build your Twitch brand is the right way to go. As far as giving you specifics on how to do it, I wish I could be more helpful, but I don't think anyone in the world could really be more helpful. It's just this mis mystery. Mm. Um, I think a lot of it too, you just have to have that one hit which is what we've been trying to do on Sifted for six years is find that one show that we make. That okay. Everybody is just like, share, share, share. This you made it. You made it this week. Matt made it for you. You got to <laughs> clip out that rant. Okay. And you need to promote the shit out of that. And we've be done like, that. So when yeah. we had Mitch working with us, he was clipping out like the really intense discussions and posting yeah, them yeah. and they did nothing. That's crazy. Like we could post epic rant on new God of war and it would do no better than anything else like i just seriously feel 
a lot of times. Like, it doesn't matter what we do or how good our stuff is. Like, it just doesn't. I feel like we could create the greatest gaming show in the history and it would get like 500 views. Like, it's very frustrating. Well, I, think, I think the clipping out part helps, would help because it is a three hour show. And that's a big ask for somebody who's never seen your show. And it is well produced and it is the greatest podcast, gaming podcast on the internet. You I say it, but I believe it. And, uh, you know if if you do, you know that those little clips can, can really you know you if think, somebody sees that you, you think know, they go viral yeah. this guy's going crazy over steam deck share share yeah, share yeah. it doesn't happen because i think a big part of it is our initial audience is so small so we have a lot mm. of subscribers they have like fifteen thousand subscribers on youtube or whatever but if they don't have the notification bell set they don't even know the show goes up like we never hit fifteen thousand views of pactor factor when a show goes up even though we have that many subscribers like it ends up like 15% of our subscribers end up watching the content. And that's, I'm guessing that's probably pretty accurate for most YouTube channels. Like we just haven't hit that critical mass where we can debut. And that's what, that is one thing that's really frustrating for me, my life, my work life now versus at GT. At GT, if we came up with an idea and we published it, people were all over it immediately. And it was just immediately a success. We didn't have to like worry about like people discovering it. Mm. It's like, and if it sucked, they told us right away and we stopped doing it. But with this, it's like, it's, you don't know what to do because you don't want to trust the fact that people not watching it means it, it isn't good because it very well could be that it's just not making it into the algorithm. It's not getting exposed the right way. This is why over the last couple of months, I've really made a push to tell people that like, if you can't afford to help us financially in any way, or you don't have Amazon prime and you can't do Twitch prime, just share our stuff or like our stuff and try to get to it early <laughs> because it can make a difference or review our podcast on Apple or Google or whatever, because then when people search for a video game podcast, it'll go up the rankings. It'll be one of the first ones that they see. So <laughs> Uh, I do want to thank all you guys for showing up and thanks for thanks to Mike who showed up a little earlier and asked a great question. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, and if you're watching this archive on Sifted or at patreon.com slash Sifted and you want to be a part of the next Ask Chain Anything, all you got to do is bump up that pledge to $7 a month or more and you can be live on the call. That's right, $7 a month. It's an extra $3 a month to get in on this. It's a ton of fun and I know I really enjoy it and I hope you guys do too. Um, but thank you guys for showing up. We'll do it again next month. I do realize this did not happen on the second Saturday of the month like it's supposed to. Uh, I've been in scramble mode a little bit trying to find our new location, which I finally locked down and signed the lease. Uh, so this show should be happening every second Saturday of the month going forward for the rest of the year. Uh, so we'll be here. So thanks again, guys, for showing up. Thanks for your support on Patreon and Twitch Prime and however else you can help us. I appreciate it. Everyone have a great day.